No, I think there's like a, a fun little like dichotomy in my head between like doubts and underestimation and just like extreme self-confidence. At least for me, speed like kind of comes naturally. Sound meets always kind of attract like a, a really nice crowd. This is completely different. This is something entirely new. You can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of running. It's just very freeing. I'm Yara Nagus. I'm a miler for OAC and you're listening to the Big Run Podcast. Welcome back to The Big Run. We have some incredible conversations and in-the-field reporting coming up over the coming days and weeks to get you primed for ONS Track Nights, a series of events where fast times meet loud crowds to create a unique experience for the entire running community. You can find out more at ontracknights.com and be sure to catch up with our trailer to give you a taste of what's in store on the show. This week, we'll be building the anticipation for the first event, TrackFest, which takes part in LA on the 6th of May. On today's episode, we sit down with Yared Nagus. Yared is the North American indoor record holder for the 15 mile and 3K, records he secured at the start of this year in a relatively short amount of time. You could say he had the perfect indoor season, so we're excited to see what he can do when he toes the line for the 800 meters tomorrow at the track fest. In this conversation, we'll dig into his running story, his hopes for his turtles outdoor season, and why the OTN is serving up something different for athletics fans. Let's get into the interview. So, Yared, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really excited to chat to you, learn a bit more about your kind of running story, the incredible season you've had, the indoor season you've had so far. I mean, to to quote Zoolander, it feels like you are so hot right now, but I want to put that all to one side. I want to ask, how's Tyro doing since he's come out of hibernation? I mean, is he is he okay? Is he good? Like, I mean, what's he made of all your past couple of races over these uh, past couple of months? Yeah, no, Tyro, Tyro's been doing really good. He, uh, he's been out for almost a month, I would say. We're kind of approaching the one month time frame, but, um, no, he's been, he's been doing great right now. He's kind of inside the house still, cause it's still a little cold outside, mm-hmm. but been energetic. Looks like he's come back from hibernation really healthy. So it's been kind of fun having him around, but he just kind of doesn't like his, uh, indoor space as much. I think he likes being outside. So, Uh-oh, okay. He's sort of yearning for the outside. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to be out there. He, I know. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of context for the listeners. Tyro is, is Yared's turtle. Just, just so we're, just so we're clear on, on, on who that is. Cause I saw, I was looking through, I normally do like a bit of a deep dive on, on guests Instagram before jumping on the call. And I saw you set up some like kind of like obstacle courses for him as well. Like kind of indoor <laughs> challenges, like to talk us through that. Yeah, that was a Tyro Appreciation Week. I, I don't like, I'm not a huge fan of like social media or Instagram or anything like that, but I thought it would be really funny if I just did it for my tortoise instead of myself. So I just had like a whole week of like activities and like all the basic Instagram stuff, like asking questions and whatever. And at the end of it, I did like the Tyro Olympics, which was like these three events. And like the last one was like this obstacle course I made for him to see if he could like actually get through it in a reasonable amount of time. And uh, he could with the proper motivation. So yeah, he's a trooper. How's his, uh, are you confident for his hopes for, for his outdoor season? I mean, how's, how's the training been going? Like, how do you work with him? What's that kind of relationship like between kind of coach and athlete? <laughs> I mean, well, 
Are you talking about Tyro or are you talking about David? <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're still on Tyro. We'll get we'll get to David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the big thing for Tyro is just kind of like being smart. Like he's a smart tortoise. He just doesn't act like it sometimes. He'll just do like really dumb things and like stop and then the next day do the same dumb thing. I'm just like, come on, buddy. Like, we, we've been over this. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, with just like a little bit of a lettuce, you can go pretty much anywhere he wants at like, at an alarmingly faster speed than you would expect for a tortoise. So yeah, I saw some of the footage. Like he he can he can shift. Like there's there's there, there's mm-hmm. talent there. Clearly, like he can he can move. Like for that, I think it was like a strawberry or something. Or like one of the ramps. Like he yes. was really going for it. <laughs> no, yeah, I did not think he'd be able to like go like up something that steep. And he just like was like, Nah, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, don't worry. We are going to talk about running. I just, I'm just curious. I was just, I just wanted to know a little bit about Tyrell. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get on to, we'll get on to the running now and sort of, sort of dig into things. So, I mean, okay, let's let, let let's talk about it. Three races, three wins, three American records in a in a relatively short space of time. I mean, how how does that feel? Like, how does one kind of comprehend that? Like. How has it been for you? I mean, talk, talk us through those those races and, and and how it's been sort of unpacking it when you're kind of moving from indoor and looking ahead to, to the outdoor season. Yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, coming in and starting my pro career, I had like high hopes of things I wanted to do eventually and just kind of where I wanted to go with it. But um, I don't think I really expected to have like that much success in like that short of a time frame. So it's it's been like kind of interesting just like, I feel like I've always kind of, at least like a little underestimated myself, like not in a bad way, but just in like a, I don't know, that's just normally how I operate sometimes. Um, and then just continuously prove myself wrong. And I think this indoor season was a great example of that. Like I didn't think I was going to run the 3K record, especially. I thought the mile was in range for me, but that first race in the 3K, I was like, eh, 3K is fine, but like, you know, that record's kind of fast. And like, I just want to, you know, kind of get get my gears going for the mile or something. And then I go out and do something like that. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> but if anything, um, that kind of gave me like, a lot of momentum going forward for um, Milrose in Madrid. And I just felt like if I can do that in a 3K, then what can I do in the event that I actually like to run and that I actually feel most confident in? So yeah, I just really was able to kind of perform to, I guess, the best of my ability at that time. And honestly, I, I feel like I've, I only want to like keep getting better. I think I still haven't like just started pro running. I think there's still a lot more um, training I could be doing that could help me get to even better and faster times. And so this outdoor, I'm just looking to like, I mean, maybe not exactly replicate what happened indoors, but if I could even get like a smidge of that, that would be great. <laughs> hey, man, ma- manifest it. It's it's interesting. Like you, you, you saying then you sometimes underestimate yourself. And even in that last part of the response there can sort of sense a little bit of underestimation. But I mean, if you look at it on paper, it is like extraordinary. We can, we can dive into the stats and we can kind of get really kind of geeky and sort of comparisons and stuff. But I'm, I'm interested in that, that sense of underestimation where, where, where do you sort of think that sort of stems from for you? Because, I mean, if you look at your kind of collegiate career as well, like I, I wouldn't have thought that that ever would have been in the in the equation for you in terms of like your your mindset with your with your own ability. No, I think there's like a, a fun little like dichotomy in my head between like 
doubts and underestimation and just like extreme self-confidence. And I don't really know like how, like, (laughs) like, I'm not going to like come out and be like, I'm the best runner ever. Like this is just never something I would say unless I guess just then out of context. But like, (laughs) I think it's just, I don't know. I think I just like to mostly stay humble in like everything I do and just not just running, but just my life in general. But I think the inner me knows that like, you know, you have to believe in yourself in races and like in those hard moments on the track. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to really be able to um, really get to the best of your ability. Mm. So I think this is like a fun little like dichotomy. Like I think I, I think I come off humble and I want to, and I am, but like inside, like in those races, I'm just like hyping myself up, like beyond beliefs. <laughs> is there is there almost like a, a different kind of character or something? Is there like a different kind of personality that you step into maybe when you step onto the tartan or you step in, into the sort of indoor track? Honestly, like maybe, yeah. Like, cause I, I feel like I feel, I find it, I think everyone does, but I find it like really hard to remember things like during a race or something, you know, like I feel like everyone has like racing amnesia or something where like you come off the track and you're just like, like a couple hours there, you're like, how are you feeling? What were you thinking about? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was just like running. <laughs> so Yeah, that's so interesting. I suppose like on a relatable level, it is when your mind, I think there is, there's a, isn't there a term for it when your mind wanders or something like parasympathetic, like, oh, I'm going to Google this and come back to it. But there is a, this, there is a sort of scientific term for when your mind kind of goes to different places. Like when you ask people, like when they're driving, like if you ask them to say, you know, how did you navigate those three roundabouts you just cleared? You'd be like, I have no idea. Do you know what I mean? So like maybe that's the sort of equivalent you're talking about in, 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 those, in those races that, do you think that allows you to be instinctive within them to, to feel it out, to know when to kick, to know when to sort of sense when there's a move being made that you're just sort of totally present? Yeah, for sure. I think um, during races, it's all just about like what you're feeling in that moment. It's not like a, like you can't really like plan things too much. I mean, we plan things, but I feel like nothing really ever goes to plan for me. Like, especially in college, I was so bad at that. But like, ex- I was bad at executing plans, okay. but it would still like turn out fine. But I think there's just like a, I don't know, your body kind of knows best and you kind of just make those decisions without even thinking about it. And I think, you know, that's like most runners at our level that kind of do that. It's just, I don't know, you're kind of in the moment. Whatever happening is happening. You don't really have time to like overthink like, oh, is now a good time to move or not? Or like blah, blah, blah. You just like kind of see it and you just do it. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with distances like, you know, the 15 and the mile, they're, they're I imagine, well, I don't know. I can't attest to it, not at your level, but I don't know whether it's a sense of it goes so fast it's in the blink of an eye or when you're in that moment, is there parameters to to think? Is it Or is it different for every race? Like there are times when it feels like it goes like that and there are times where it feels like it lasts forever. I think there's like a little bit of difference depending on like the importance. Like, you know, prelim, I'd, I'd say like depending on like a championship race, unless it's like Worlds or something, you have like a little more time to kind of like think your way through it and just like kind of, you know, if you're confident in how you're going to perform in the prelim, just kind of kind of not really be as into the moment as you would be in like a final or something. Mm. Um, but like during cross country races, especially that's why I, I never really liked the distance part of the cross countries races. I didn't like running like 10 K or whatever. Cause I feel like that during that I couldn't help but think, and I don't like thinking when I run cause it's just like, get out of my head. I know it's a hard race. I'm tired too. Like, let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to sort of start that in a monologue where especially 
Especially when you're not having fun. Oh, that's that's a that's a slippery, slippery slope. I'm interested then to sort of trace that dichotomy back then for you. Like let's roll let's roll all the way back, like in terms of when your kind of running began and see if we can maybe pinpoint where that dichotomy began. Maybe we won't. I don't know. This isn't a this isn't also a therapy session, don't worry. But <laughs> where did it start for you? Where did sort of running become sort of an important part of your life? And was there a moment when you realized, okay, I think I think this has legs, excuse the pun, for something that could be a really sort of big component of, of who I am. Mm-hmm. It definitely took a while because um, I never, I don't know, I, I, when I started running in high school, it was always just like, oh, this will look great on my college application. And that's why I started it. Um, <laughs> and then I was good enough to do it in college and kind of like recruited. And I was just like, okay, this is still cool, but... You know, my, my schoolwork had always come first for me. I was always just a big, like, kind of nerdy type of guy. Still am. And so I was just like, okay, this running will be, like, it's still, like, you know, kind of fun, good to have, and it'll be a nice activity to do while I'm in college. It wasn't really until, like, mm, I want to say, like, junior year or so. Maybe, like, sophomore year a little bit when I started, like, winning national championships. But I still think, like, at that time I was still... I was still very focused on like going to dental school. That was always, like, always what I wanted to do and what I will do when I'm done running. Mm. Um, and so like, I was always just like, I can't run because I want to go to dental school. <laughs> I was always like in my mind. And then after like junior year, that's kind of when I started thinking about it more. And I was kind of like, well, I mean, maybe I could run and then just do dental school later on. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, now, now I'm kind of at, at that point. <laughs> so junior year pretty late I'd say when I was just like okay this is a big part of my life and this is important and I should really I couldn't like still put like my 100% of my priority in it because I was still like kind of focused on school um but now that I'm done with all that I just just doing running now I mean I mean qualifying for 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 Olympics has got to sort of shift that needle as well in terms of like the sort of the the dental school pro running kind of pie chart yes it definitely did that was um that was my Junior year, I think. No, maybe senior. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I want to touch on that a little bit, actually, because, you know, obviously you qualified, but it didn't kind of pan out in the way that, you know, you would have hoped and you, you pulled out um, because of an injury. And I imagine, I don't know, I can't, I can't attest to it. I wasn't, you know, wasn't there, wasn't you living that experience, but I imagine maybe you got a little bit of sort of flack for that. But I think just sort of viewing it from from the outside, I think... Maybe it's a measure of your character that you knew at that time it was the right call to kind of pull out and sort of step back from that experience. But I imagine at the time it was an incredibly difficult decision to make for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I was I was still like very like, I'm very hopeful most of the time. I was just like, I'll be able to do it. I can do it. I can just get better because I, I usually bounce back from injuries really quickly. And I was just like, I can just like turn this around and like, I don't know how long it was, but just like less than a week. I felt like I can do it. Mm. <laughs> but I felt that way, like all the way to the day of, I was just like, you know, trying to manifest it to happen. But, you know, come the day of, I couldn't even like really do a stride. So I was kind of just like, if I can't do a stride, I'm not going to get more than like 50 meters down that track where I have to pull out. So in my head, I was just like, it's not, it's not worth it. So it was definitely a really hard decision to come to at first. I was just kind of like, I kind of, part of me, like, you know, being the runner, part of me just was like, force your way through it. You can do it. But I think the more logical part of me was just like, there's, 
there's not really a good reason for you to go out and do that. Um, and so, I mean, I think it was hard, but even at that point, I was still just kind of like, I don't know. Now I just want to, I just I felt like hungry to come back again and like, you know, hopefully be able to race the next time if I am able to qualify again. I think I was, I was very hopeful just looking to the future. And now I'm in a point where, you know, I'm, I've been staying healthy for a long extended period of time, even with all these really fast races. And it just kind of makes me, makes gives me more confidence that like I'll really be able to kind of come out and just, I don't know, hopefully actually get to race this time and do something really, really cool. Yeah, I, well, I don't doubt that for a don't doubt that for a second. So let's talk about turning pro then, leaving college and moving into that sort of pro environment and that atmosphere. Like, what was that shift? What was that transition like? I mean, the, there are the obvious things of you know you don't have classes, you don't have study, you kind of have more time to sort of focus on yourself as a as an elite level athlete. But what was that transition like for you? How did you sort of find that it sort of met with your personality and like what was it like being welcomed into the the OAC family honestly I had a a a pretty smooth transition I would say um I feel like I was I don't know I was kind of definitely ready to take that next step and get to you know harder training and just like more um I don't know just really putting my whole like focus in on professional running and you know the OAC I mean they're they're such like a great group of people and that's honestly the reason I picked them they're just really like, you know, they're not like super, super like a, I don't know, bad, bad team energy or anything. They're all just very like supportive of each other and they all, you know, care about how each other's doing. And in that sense of a way, it kind of reminded me of like the best parts of college. Um, it was very just like, okay, here's your jersey, you're on the team. And then that was kind of it. <laughs> I love that. I love the comparison to college as well, because I suppose like I, I can imagine that is the sweet spot when you're trying to create a team is like that sort of like fine balance of serious performance and competition and training, but but an element of fun and playfulness so that you can feel happy and confident to be able to execute on all that training and hard work you've been doing, I suppose. How does how does Dathan sort of facilitate that, or, or how do you all work together to facilitate that so you can strike that balance within the group? It's kind of hard to say. Um, I feel like it was it was kind of that way when I kind of just like showed up here, but I feel like you know one of one of Dathan's things is just like he doesn't want people of the same country and same event. Like he wouldn't want like another American fifteen hundred meter runner. Because he thinks that, like, if you have, like, everyone just, like, competing to be on the same world's team, then you're kind of, kind of like, you know, setting yourselves up to be really more competitive in a bad way than a good way. And I feel like, you know, all the other the other milers were all just, like, really, really supportive of each other's performances and just how we do. So, you know, I won these last few races, but if one of them beat me, I'd still be, like, just as excited, I'm sure, if I ran a good race. Mm. <laughs> and I think, you know, we all know that we're competitors in a race, but come right after the race we're like you know friends again and i think that's that's really important because you don't want to have like that underlying bad blood between everyone because that just makes everything really really awkward but um yeah we just kind of we're just not like that i guess we're just i don't know i think Nathan just chooses them so we don't have don't have people like that on the team mm, it does seem like a lovely group that's being curated and i love that thing obviously the the kind of practical thing of like not being the same nationality so you're not competing for the same spot but like the kind of uh, sphere of perspective that that brings, like of say Ollie and Mario, for example, like Australian and Spanish, like are there 
are there different perspectives that you kind of like you you sort of pick up from each other in terms of training of like oh you do this this way or like oh i've never thought of it in that sense before that like filter into how you train and how you view the the distance yeah we all do things like pretty not that much differently but there are definitely things that like we kind of have our own our own ways of just like doing certain things or whatever but i feel like we we kind of approach like actual running in the same way so i i guess i haven't really felt any i don't know any really huge difference yet maybe the more we race this outdoor season i'll i'll get some more insight onto what they're thinking about but uh yeah yeah it's interesting it's interesting just to sort of see and yeah like you say there'll be more things to be to be gleamed as we sort of move towards outdoors and outdoors is is approaching it's 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 coming sort of soon and there's this on track night series of events that's that's sort of fast approaching that that you'll be taking part in as well particularly the one in in LA on May 6th but but we'll get to that I'm just curious just from a sort of geeky point of view I know you said you're a, you're a bit of a geek and I'm I'm, I'm probably going to say I'm I'm probably a bit of a geek as well when it kind of comes to the training I think I'm really curious so for you for say an event like the mile what does the kind of typical training look like and what's your approach to it from your kind of athletic background and what's Dathan's approach and how do you sort of meet in the middle with him? Yeah, honestly, um, I guess my approach, which is kind of like my college coach's approach, Sean Carlson, uh, but you kind of approach things from a very like distance perspective in a sense that like, you know, strength is speed and you have to be like a really strong runner to be able to run the 1500 or get through the rounds or just like all the other stuff. So that's what I kind of came in with. And I feel like Dathan worked very similarly. Like, I feel like we we don't really do like too many like fast intervals unless it's kind of like closer to actual race time. I think we spend a lot of like the basic winter or fall training, just like doing, you know, hard long runs and like longer tempos and all the other stuff. And just, you know, just like keeping, keeping our strength up. Cause I think speed, at least for me, speed like kind of comes naturally versus like strength is kind of something that needs to be built up over time. And so, um, Really, the only difference is like the amount of volume I do now, which is just like a lot more than I did in college. So I think, you know, it's just like the next logical step is just keep going up in volume until you feel, I don't know, like whenever that's enough. I don't know when that is. I'm not, I was, I'm not like one of those like 100 mile a week people yet, maybe. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not a, again, not a huge fan of like longer-ish running, but I know it's important for me. And so, um yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, and and that, and that's it's interesting to see like your kind of your, what you're bringing from your background from from college and sort of how that's sort of being met with what what Dathan's bringing in the whole environment there at the OAC and and the kind of opportunities that are afforded when you when you turn pro and you can really sort of knuckle down and concentrate on the training. Like so in terms of like the 1500 is there like a is there like a bread and butter workout like the one that's like a sort of maybe it's a sort of key performance indicator one that's like your sort of stock and trade of like okay this is this is something that's really going to like move me on in terms of my running and my performance that maybe you don't look forward to maybe it's particularly disgusting or maybe maybe you kind of enjoy it i don't know it's funny you said that because we had in college i had a workout that we call bread and butter um, <laughs> but we did that in cross country so when track came around, I invented a new thing called salt and pepper, which is another thing that we kind of do because it's a little more spicy than bread and butter was. But salt and pepper was like 10 to 12 by like 400. 
with like a minute rest and just like you know definitely like clipped at like a decent pace like averaging around like i don't know 59 or something or maybe lower um i think like work like that kind of combines like the best parts of like strength and speed and really lets you like see yes i'm in like a really good position right now or like no i'm not i need to like kind (laughs) of kind of you know keep working but um we don't really do that here. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. There were some like good workouts that we had that made me feel like, oh yeah, I'm fit. Like there was that one that um, um, where we did like a really fast mile and then like some tempo work afterwards, and we ran like 357 or something at altitude, mm-hmm. which was like really interesting. Cause I was just like came off of that. And I was just like, dang, that felt like a lot better than I would have initially thought if you had asked me that at the beginning. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just really, I don't know, we, we don't have like a specific workout. At least I haven't like noticed a pattern yet, but we definitely have had workouts where I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing good. And that's like pretty much most track workouts, honestly. Like I feel like I, I very, very much so strive on the track versus like a, oh, we're doing a 17 mile long run at this pace and it's going to hurt. I'm going to be like in the bag, like crying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when that, when the sort of training schedule kind of comes out, like uh, that's the thing that maybe feels, fills you with slight dread of the, the prospect of a meaty long run. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I've never been a long run guy. I, um, I don't know. I just feel like I it's hit or miss, but I usually don't feel like that great. <laughs> and then, I also just like, I don't know why, but ever since I came up to altitude, I always just feel like I have to like poop in the middle of my long runs, which just isn't conducive to good long running. So, <laughs> well, I, I think like, you know, when you talk about long runs, like, I think if you say to anyone, if you're going to run north of like an hour, like, and you're asking your stomach to, to sort of behave, I think that's a big ask, I think. And for people, I think <laughs> we, we got to normalize this, this kind of chat. It, it can happen to anyone from the very, very sharp end, such as yourself to the, to the everyday runner, you know, it's, 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 it's a difficult thing. Like, and you mentioned altitude. I mean, how, how have you, how have you found that? Like, what was the kind of adjustment period for you? And what's it like when you shift back down to sea level, when you're sort of going into a race, like, you know, the races back in, in January and February, is there like a noticeable, like, oh, okay, this feels different. Yeah, it was, it was very hard at first. Um, I will say I was, cause I'd never done it before. And I just like came up and, you know, anytime I had visited altitude, like when I was in college, like for a few days or something, I would always just like come up, be like gasping for air and then just be like, well, that sucked. I never want to do that again. Um, so it was, it was really hard, like the first month and a half, basically. So like, I never, I didn't like really get situated on like long runs or longer workouts until like a month and a half into, mm. um, training at altitude. And even now, I think, I think now there's like, I don't know, less of a dramatic change. Like in indoor, I when I went down, I would just be like, oh, I can finally like breathe and it mm. feels great. <laughs> like I feel like I just was able to take much deeper breaths at sea level than I would have ever felt before. But I think now like that change is a little less dramatic. Like if I like, you know, went home for like a weekend and like came back, you know, I don't think I, I mean, I still like feel like I can breathe a little bit better. But when I come back, it doesn't hit me as hard as it did. Like when I came back after winter break, I was actually just like so terrible again. Like I had just started. So I think it just takes time. And I think it's definitely really, really helping me um, kind of achieve my full potential and whatnot. Yeah, it's just, it's nice to hear that, I think, as well. Like, and obviously, yeah, the, the performance potential is and the execution of it is 
it's clearly obvious in your case, but it's nice to hear that it's like, it can be difficult because it's a, it's a thing that you're putting the body through. It's a, it's a big kind of change, but you mentioned about going home there. I mean, in terms of like friends and, and family, like what's their perspective on, on your kind of recent races and your, your, your life as a, as a pro athlete? I mean, what's their take on it? I'm always curious to know what the people sort of outside of your running sphere make of what it is that you do for a living. Yeah, I think um, my parents are still adjusting for sure. I think like my dad's like really hyped about it. My mom's still just like, but like all you do is run all day. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do. I think my siblings like don't really care at all. <laughs> it's kind of funny. They're like, they're definitely my um, help keep me grounded, I will say. And they're always just kind of just like, oh, wow, you ran fast. You should have ran faster or something. So I think it's always just a you know, fun little sibling dichotomy. I have like five, so there's plenty, plenty of different perspectives from each of them. But um, the overall consensus is like, cool, but like, I don't really care. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very okay with that. Honestly, I think, you know, it's helpful to have people who are like, super invested in your running, because then, you know, you can talk about like other things and just like have like, normal conversations with them. So um, I do really appreciate that. And, you know, I think my friends are still just like, dang, you're so lucky. We're at like our normal nine to five job or something. And you're just kind of out there. You run in the morning and you don't do squat the rest of the day. And I'm like, I'm doing stuff. I am recovering. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm very lucky in that sense, um, just to be in the position I am and just be able to do something that, you know, not a ton of people get to do. There's nothing more humbling than a sibling sort of shooting through like whatever your incredible achievement is. I'm yeah, I've I've uh, older brother and a, an older sister, and yes, the uh, the humbling thing of a of a sibling being like, yeah, whatever. You you could have won an <laughs> Olympic gold, but like a, a sibling will always cut through in a way that is uh, will always bring you back down to uh, to earth. I'm curious with this, with this kind of uh, elite lifestyle, the OAC and all the, all the kind of content and media that comes about uh, out around it. And people are, are really kind of fascinated by it. And, you know, you, you're on podcasts, you're, you've got me sort of chewing your ear about what kind of workouts you do. I'm curious to get your perspective on what the kind of trickle down is of that to, to everyday runners, to people who are like interested in it and inspired by it, but maybe feel like, that sort of world isn't for them. I suppose the question I'm asking is like, what is the connection between the two? And like, how can maybe athletes and athletics maybe sort of bridge that gap a little bit more so that people can get excited about things like track, for example, like I've spoken to many runners who've always felt that track maybe wasn't for them or that they didn't maybe belong there because they weren't fast enough. And I'm just curious to see from your point of view, from the very, very sharp end, what you think about what maybe can be done to maybe get those people who think, oh, I don't know whether I could do my session on a track that actually, yes, you absolutely can. It will really improve your running. I think it's just kind of hard because that's like the general nature of our sport is just like trying to be the fastest and you're surrounded by like all these other people that you know that are like way, way faster. And that can definitely be very daunting at times. I think, you know, other sports are easier because, like, you know, basketball or football, it's just like, yo, you have like a fun little game. You don't have to be like the best of the best. But versus running, it's just like, it doesn't have that same, you know, dis it doesn't have that distinct like fun energy, but I still think it can be really fun depending on like how you phrase it and how you put it. And so I, don't know, I think the biggest part is just like, how many people know that like, you don't, you don't have to be the best to be like, have fun running and just like really enjoy it. I think 
honestly, I feel like you have the right shoes, then like, yeah, you can go out and enjoy a run. And I feel like that, like a lot of people like kind of be like, oh, it's running and it has like negative connotation around it. So I'm thinking more of it is just dispelling that and just kind of like when people know like, yes, running is actually like a really fun thing that you can do. Like a lot of my friends now, they kind of like stopped running after we all finished college and stuff. And then they're, like, they're kind of getting back into it. It's just like, yeah, wow, I never really realized how nice running was when I had it. Mm. <laughs> it just felt like a chore back then, but now it's just like a, you know, fun little treat when you can just do it whenever you want and just, you know, have the freedom. I feel like it's really important. Like people are just like, I don't know where to start or where to go, but it's just like, you can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of running. It's just very freeing. Mm. And you must get, I mean, imagine now with, with, with your pro athlete lifestyle and these extraordinary races you're having, are you getting a lot of younger athletes reaching out to you asking for sort of advice and sort of pointers? Like I know you're only sort of relatively young yourself, but have you, have you been finding that that people are starting to sort of look up to you and come to you for sort of pointers and advice? You know, yeah, there was, um, there's definitely like a time, especially like around the whole like Olympic thing where I got like a little like surge of that, but I, <laughs> I'm not really like huge on like answering like my Instagram DMs or anything. Mm. So it would, it would kind of just like depend. I feel like I was kind of just like, yes, I want to support these kids. But also there's so many of them and I just, <laughs> and I just like don't like being on my phone that much to begin with. And I, like I already said, I don't even like doing Instagram stuff. So I was kind of just like, dang, well. I'm just going to have to like do an extra good job of it when I'm in person. <laughs> exactly. So I've, been, I've been trying to do that, doing better in person and then just kind of like laying the Instagram stay as is. <laughs> yeah. Make those more um, meaningful memories in the flesh. I think those are the ones yeah. that will stay with people for, for a long time. Like I did notice that underneath your Instagram bio is something along the lines of, I finally got an Instagram account. Stop bothering me about it. Like <laughs> how did you finally relent? What was the straw that broke the camel's back that made you, uh, made you finally set a, an account up? Yeah. So that was back in um, like the beginning of college or something. And like I had, you know, I just was like running and stuff and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have like any real social media presence at all. And like a lot of my friends were just like, yards, like you're a runner now. And at that, like a good runner, you need to have like an Instagram. And I was like, do I? Like that seems like a <laughs> lot of work. And but they kept pestering me and pestering me and pestering me. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So like New Year, one year, I just like, took a funny photo and I was just like, okay, this is what I'm starting with. And then just, I was like, I got an Instagram, stop bothering me about it. And I just have never took it off because it is still true to this day. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm here for the Tyro, uh, the Tyro content every day. I feel like there's, there's a, there's a Netflix whole special that we could maybe craft around that, but that's a, that's a story for, for another day. I just want to come back to this thing you were saying about fun actually and fun within the sport i think like the the otn series i think is a really good example of that of people trying to push that needle into the into the fun side of things maybe for people attending these kind of track meets as well as crafting kind of amazing racing opportunities for for the elite level athletes taking part i mean what's your take on the otn series like do, do you think it's a it's a good thing for the sport and why do you think it's something that's hopefully going to sort of shift the needle and maybe drawing more of those people in that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't been to one, but I've heard things and it seems like it's like a really, really fun time. And so I think it is really helping because I feel like, you know, like in itself, like track 
it can be boring. Like it's just if you're just at like some random track meet, nothing else is happening. The events are all like, you know, long and like all this other stuff. It's just like, you know, that was my first criticism of my siblings if they came into a race. It's like that was like so boring until you showed up. And then it was boring again. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, having a night where you have other things going on and there's like a lot of other things to do, that kind of lets like, you know, the track shine when it's like really meant to shine and like something really interesting is happening. But like it kind of keeps people's attention and lets them go do like something, you know, have have fun, have make it a whole event and like kind of come back and like, you know, be ready to see the next event when it comes out. So no, I, I think it's a great idea. I can't wait to go see it for myself and how it plays out. But um, no, I'm really excited. <laughs> so you will be taking part in in the first one of the OTN series, the the Sound Running Track Fest on on May six. What have so you haven't experienced one yet? What have you What have you heard? What have the rumblings have you heard about the event? Because last year in 2022, I mean, it was it was pretty wild. There was a pretty uh, impressive field that turned up for it last year. I heard there was free food, and I heard there was a mystery music guest. Those are like the most interesting things I've heard. I'm, I'm curious about how this music is going to play out and what kind of music it is. But <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, I think the actual, I'm excited for like the actual race as well. I think it's like going to be, you know, a lot of real hard competition there. And I think sound meets always kind of attract like a, a really nice crowd. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I think, I don't know, the rumblings point to kind of like a fun, it's going to be a fun night before and especially after just being able to hang out and really enjoy the festival. So, yeah. And you're racing the? The 800. The 800. Interesting. So what's your, I mean, if you were going to rank them, I mean, would it be sort of mile 1500 at the top, then 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 800, then 3K? I mean, like, could you choose one or is it like, is it, would it be like deciding between your siblings that just be too hard? You can't, you can't sort of pick one as your like your all time favorite. I don't think it'd be that hard. I think, <laughs> I think it's just, I haven't run a lot of 800s. I only ran one in college, I guess two, if you count like a four rate I did my freshman year, but I just feel like I, I really haven't experienced like a, like a really, really, I don't know, all out 800 in a sense. Mm. So I think right now it's 3K 800, but that might change after this 800. So how have you been preparing for the 800 then? Have you only kind of got one frame of reference? Like what have you been sort of uh, tweaking in terms of training to get yourself ready for? I mean, the 800 makes me feel a little bit sort of sick. And I know in Italy, the nickname for it is the two laps of the dead. So, I mean, how have you been getting yourself <laughs> ready for for the onslaught that is the eight? Yeah, we actually haven't really been preparing anything specific. I feel like we're doing very similar 1500 3k training that I was doing before um that might change like the week before the race but right now we've just been doing the same stuff we've always been doing I think I, I the reason I'm, I'm skeptical about the 800 is I'm not like an aggressive racer and I feel like that race can get very aggressive and I don't like that also they start really fast and like positive split and I don't like that either so it's <laughs> I think it, it'll just be like a more of a, a mentality shift of just being like okay, we're going to go out hard. <laughs> and then I think, I, I think I'll probably excel more that second 400, I think, because, you know, I think a lot of like just pure 800 runners like kind of fall back a little bit, especially that like 400 to 600. But I think that's going to be where I'm starting to hit my stride. So if, if that all plays out like I want it to, then it should, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, we haven't really made any, any, 
need like training preparation. It's just been just been mental for me so far. Oh, I'm excited to see that play out, and I'm sure people will be as well. So, just sort of close things out then. So, for people people who are thinking about maybe sort of tuning in, because I know there's this sort of amazing streaming component to the um, to the track fest on May 6, where the people paying pay per view actually are going to be adding to the prize pot as well, which I think is a really cool thing to sort of help drive the uh, engagement for the event, but. If you were going to be putting your marketing cap on, maybe you've got to do the pitch to your siblings. What's the pitch for people to to come down and maybe experience one of these on-track nights who are maybe on the fence about it? I'm really bad at business stuff, but <laughs> I guess I would just say that <laughs> it's a track meet that you like never experienced before. And I think, you know, intriguing people with just like the fact that this is completely different. This is something entirely new that will kind of get people just be like, okay, I'm intrigued to see like how this completely new track meet will play out. So just, I think just focusing on that, because from what I heard, it's completely different from any track meet. And, you know, if it ends up being it, then like, oh, you're going to miss out if you're not there. So sold. I'm in. I'll, I'll, I'll invest. I'll invest. That feels like a lovely note to, to end our, our conversation on. Yared, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and being such a, a brilliant, brilliant guest on The Big Run. No, thank you for having me, Danny. A big thank you to Yared for coming on the show and to all of you for tuning in this week. There's nothing left but for the athletes to warm up, spike up and get ready to dance, as I'm sure the audience will be when Kyle takes to the stage. And if you're listening to this outside of the US and you can't make it down to the event on Saturday, then fear not. There is an incredible pay-per-view opportunity where you can contribute to the athlete's prize purse as well as watching all the action unfold. Head over to soundrunning.run to find out all of that information. I myself will be staying up late or getting up early to watch all of that action and I can't wait. And the On Track Night series continues and we'll be back with a preview build for the next event, London's celebrated night of the 10,000 meter PBs hosted by Highgate Harriers, including a special episode recorded live at the event at Highgate. It's going to be something special. Be sure to subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episode downloaded as soon as it drops and follow us on Instagram for what's coming up as the OTN series continues. And I'll see you next time for the big rump.